What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm super honored today to uh, introduce my new friend, Brian Truskowski. He is an accountability, transformational, and ascension coach, body worker, and teacher. He's been in the healing arts world now for 10 years done a lot of his own personal growth and self-empowerment and leadership work, as well as learning to listen to and heal his own mind, body, and spirit, which is totally why we connected. <laughs> this journey will continue as long as he as he's alive, right? Brian, this is an ongoing journey. <laughs> Brian's, been, Brian's been an extensive 10-year conscious self-study of personal growth, self-empowerment, philosophical studies, psychology, new age movement, and ever-growing practice of spirituality, focusing in Eastern philosophies as well as Native American traditions. Brian's also been teaching a range of personal growth and self-empowerment classes and workshops for over four years. His mission is to educate and empower the world, reminding people of their greatness and the inner knowing and strength they have. We resonate so much. (laughs) Welcome, Brian. (laughs) It was like that first call was like, oh, yeah, I like Uh this guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun links. I mean, I I like easy connections. I mean, be gone with the days of struggling. And so what's your favorite kind of pasta? (laughs) What's your favorite TV show? How's the weather? (laughs) <laughs> what's the biggest shadow that you have navigated and disabled in the last month oh. yeah. <laughs> can you imagine if all of our conversations were like that uh-huh. it'd, it'd be exhausting <laughs> sometimes we need a little netflix break sure, absolutely <laughs> you know yeah but yeah Okay, so I, I was looking um, at your Facebook page and I, I, lis- I listened to one of your videos because you do a lot of videos, which is really awesome um, that you show up and you uh, share, you know, you, you teach, you're so wise, you ask a lot of great questions, which of course I love because that's what I like to do too. Uh, and you were talking about dreams and I didn't even realize until the end of it, it was last year. And I was like, Oh, how funny. So I thought, is there a dream that you had at the end of the last year for this year that you've been able to manifest? Interesting you say that. Yeah, I mean, just to give context, Facebook brings up memories, right? And I did a whole bunch of lives when I was living in Colorado. uh, And I returned to Michigan to live in March of this year. So just for context for people. And so Facebook keeps reminding me, but what's sort of funny in a way is the memories that come up or the, 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 the lesson that I'm teaching is so poignant and on, and so on track still, right. Both, both the true word of poignancy and on track. Right. And so I'm like, I gotta just share this. Right. And so for me, yeah. um, A year ago, I was living in Colorado. I was happy, but I was also in process of 
hearing the divine wisdom and knowledge to return to Michigan to live and starting to build those tracks to create that transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now a year later, I am fully reintegrated back to a home community in, in Southeast Michigan in Ann Arbor, um, where I was born and raised and have a huge community here. So um yeah, so <laughs> that's it's, it's it's sort of the dream was a year ago to relocate and and actualize that and that has been accomplished now. So, but what's funny I want to share with the listeners is this something I also talk about I think on that video around dreams is once you accomplish one, there's going to be another one that's going to show right. and another one and another one and another right. One. So for me, it's kind of like cool. Now I'm here. Now what? Right. And so now watching those sort of dreams and aspirations. Uh, what what's the next and right sort of thing so what is the next and for you uh, the, the next and well it's it's funny and again and this I think this is potent to just mention is <clears throat> uh, lenses of scarcity and abundance is something that I talk about a lot of the lens meaning your perception thereof and so I was like you know what uh, what I want to do what I'm wanting to do my dream is to coach teach and do body work right and I'm like, well, uh, there was some perception I was having that I wasn't doing that. And I do weekly abundance calls with uh, a team that I work with um, in a healing arts realm. And it just came to me. I'm like, I am doing that. I do have coaching clients. I do have bodywork clients and I am teaching. But the problem was, is I was creating this struggle around the number. Mm-hmm. I was, I have this arbitrary number of clients that I need to achieve in order to achieve quote success. Mm-hmm. Right. And that number is always going to be moving. Right. And so I realized that, yeah, holy cow, I'm being interviewed for podcasts like this one. I am, you know, getting my name out there. I'm doing groundwork and I'm helping change the world in a way that feels in alignment with my Dharma. Meaning like you see these videos, right? Like, I am educating and empowering people from a spiritual perspective, like, you know, karma yoga, beautiful. My spirit team's like, rock on, dude, you got this nailed. (laughs) But then my ego, it was interesting. And you're going to love this. I mean, my ego is sort of attached to like the third dimensional components. Like, well, there's money and stability and resources and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I realized, and I'm still sorting this out, is there's this sort of dynamic of, I know that I am protected, provided for at all by my spirit guides, by the universe, by whatnot. Conversely to that, growing up in the Midwest, right? In Detroit, my family's very much like, get a job, kid, right? You need to work your butt off and make money, not with what you're playing to do here, but like some real job, right? And so there's that sort of on my way. I'm like, okay, if maybe I put that to this and then maybe I'll struggle and I'll eventually get it. But then I was looking at my astrology chart with my astrologer the other day, and uh, which I'm studying astrology currently too. <clears throat> and there's a message for star seeds, light workers, whatever, that I sort of fall into the camp of, of, you don't have to do anything. Like who I am is the work, right? And so there's this huge bifurcation between like me being a spirit and a soul and shining my light and helping inspiring others and knowing that I'm in, in supported on that realm Converse by the third dimensional world of well, what does it look like? What does it look like? What are the actions? What's the five-year goal? How much money are you making this year? Like the right, that whole con the confluence of those two things. Mm-hmm. So 
what I need to remind myself of, and maybe this is resonating with others since it's coming up, is sometimes just being all you, whatever that is. You don't need to ex- you don't need to meet some external metric of what society needs you to be in relationship, in career, in vocation, in personal life, in whatever, right? And so know that <laughs> I teach this, <laughs> and it's also we my own always struggle. teach what we mostly That's need right. to learn. <laughs> exactly, it's my own struggle. I totally get it. And so in that, like, there's a part of me that totally was is just like I want to be the monk that lives out in the village at the end a hut, a grass hut at the edge of the village and just leave me alone, which is what I'm accomplishing. But also at the same time, like there's this narrative from my parents and society saying, but how are you going to make that realistic? What are you going to do for money? What are you going to do for whatever? And it's just like, I've had so many experiences in this lifetime where I know that I'm provided for. And that's not even an ego thing. That's straight up spirit, right? I will be provided what information, money, resources, food, connection that I need when I need it. Not a moment before that. And actually the podcast I was on on Saturday, a few days ago, that was my, that was my parting advice is just trust. Really, you have to just trust knowing that things are happening the way they are happening. And it's only your ego and your mind separation from that agenda that creates suffering. I think, I mean, it's amazing that you bring this up because this is, this has been my <laughs> shadow creeping up the last few weeks as well. Um, you know, because I have some issues with my ex and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm put in a situation where I'm feeling scarce, you know, scarcity. <laughs> and, um, and, and then, you know, and so I go back and forth, like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to pay my bills? Is this all going to work out? You know, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, calling in my clients and all of all of these things. And I have to look back at my life and go, I've been put in these situations numerous times and I freak out for, you know, because the bank account says one thing, (laughs) right? And my bills say another (laughs) and I go, Uh this doesn't match (laughs) Uh and how am I going to do this and how am I going to figure this out? And then I go, okay, it's always worked out. I don't know how, but somehow it has. And so how do we learn to trust? I mean, and I'm going to, I want to go back to when you said, you know, oh, my intuition said to move, right? And so it's this sense of how do you listen to those inner voices? Where do they come? I mean, I know where they come from, but how do you trust them? How do you honor what messages you receive? Um, and how do you receive them? Because a lot of people don't know how to do this. A lot of people don't know how to do this because I think, uh, you know, we're conditioned to live in the world in one way. And you and I and people are waking up to recognize that it's not all the busyness and the doing, you know, the pushing, the struggling, the, you know, sort of freaking out and looking outside ourselves for the answers. And I know this is a lot of the work that you've done to break away from that, you know, mode (laughs) of operating in the world and just the definitions of what's right or valuable. So how do you trust? how do you trust that is an excellent question it's 
Well, I'll say this. I'll, I'll start with this. It's fascinating. I was getting a healing session from someone uh, a few weeks ago. And at the end of it, she's like, I have homework for you. And the homework was amazingly profound. And I've been sharing it with everyone. So I'm sharing it here now is in my morning meditation. Once I'm connected, grounded, you know, centered, simply ask what can I have it right here on my altar? Ask for guidance on how to surrender daily. In this moment, right here, right now, what can I do to surrender today? Right. And every day that's going to be different. And so for me, that has fruited so much, right? Because it's it's our sort of own ego need to control, manipulate, even on micro levels. I'm gonna, to pretend to control. Right. And I'll admit, believe me, I have in, in this year, the biggest thing that sort of come up is admitting that I control, admitting that I control on micro levels for my own safety and for my own reasons. It's like they're unfounded, but you know, I don't manipulate and control on mass levels like that, like society would expect. Right. You know, so for me, it's example, funny story, just to make it humorous is uh, my roommate's girlfriend is a barber and not really supposed to get haircuts this year. Right. I've been cutting my own hair for 20 plus years. Right. So for me, cutting my own hair, isn't a, big deal mm -hmm. and so she offered to cut my hair i said no but i said i'll let you spot check it <laughs> i'm gonna cut it and then i'll let you clean up the edges right and in that moment i'm like shoot i'm like there it is that's another level of control right because <clears throat> i've never liked anyone that's cut my hair besides myself and if i mess up i only have myself to blame funny 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 aside to that is you know six months later i said hey Okay, I'm willing. I'm going to surrender. Can you cut my hair? And she goes, oh, okay, absolutely. She cut my hair perfectly. She's the only person in my entire life that's ever cut my hair that I actually enjoyed it and looked the way that I would have wanted it to look. Uh -huh. And I told her this and she's like, I know. She goes, everyone tells me that. I'm like, well, that's your own ego and whatever. But I said, but regardless <laughs> of that, <clears throat> it was me surrendering in that moment, mm -hmm. trusting, right? So your answer, the question you had is how can people learn to trust and surrender? So the easiest way that I have found to explain to people the difference between intuition and your own egoic mind, for me, the intuition is the not obvious information that comes through. Ego is the obvious information that comes through. Meaning, if I get a thought, and there's a whole you know, conversation alone on just thoughts, <clears throat> but if I have a thought, that I was like, I didn't think of that. Or it's, it's offering a challenge to do something that scares me or challenges me in some way. By and large, that's intuition. <laughs> if it's go to the fridge and get some chocolate cake, it's just like, no, it's like, <laughs> that's probably ego talking and my belly talking, right? So being able to over time, now I've been working on this for quite a while now, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I will say that I have said that I know that if something is needing to be told to me, it will be told to me. And I have countless examples of me being woken up in the dead of night to be giving a message. It literally sounds like someone's talking in my head and you know, it's not actually, but like the message is so strong. I've been woken up out of dead sleeps for information to happen. 
So I know, I mean, and over and over. Uh, so I know that when I need to know something, my guides, my angels, whatever mm-hmm. will, it will not be a question. Right. And um, so in that, so simple ways, simple ways that I have practiced <clears throat> is, and there's many ways you can go about doing this, but when I pull off the exit off the freeway onto the surface streets and there's the inevitable homeless person looking for something, right? Sometimes there's no thought that goes to my mind. Other times it's like, give that person five bucks. And there's that pause. And I watch my ego go, no, you want me to give money to this or on the street, wherever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I ignore that, what I have found (laughs) is that as I walk away, they go, I told you to give that person five bucks. What do you do? And, and it, it just turns into that annoying chatter in the mind. It's like, fine, whatever. So I go back and I give them the five bucks or whatever it is. And all of a sudden silence, bliss, right? Mm. It's like, that wasn't my ego. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so for me, I've done little exercises like that to, um, to trust, Right. And, and another just sort of simple, but also philosophical slash spiritual perspective is we uh, have this fear of giving away because by giving it's creating scarcity and lack and whatever. Well, here's a mind blowing idea, but it's also true because it happens every moment in your life, whether you're aware of it or not, is you have to exhale before you can inhale. Right. You have to give your breath away all the time because you wow. can't you cannot receive right this sounds so stupid and it's so simple but if you think about that and can grok that out you are not going to be receiving until you give financially emotionally spiritually mentally blah 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 blah. and here's the kicker and there's the other one that i find out is i can't give with the expectation of receiving If I'm going to give you right. a gift, Don, with the with the backdoor idea that I'm going to get something back out of you, that's not giving. That's taking. Right. right, right. So in that same sense is with breathing, like I could exhale my next breath right now and I may not inhale again, right? That's not something that I'm thinking about. Right. So trusting, right? Surrendering. So um, that that is small, simple ways that people can learn to trend, trust and surrender is knowing that, and I'll even say this too, is, you know, I I have been given the message, kind of like you said earlier, have you ever gone without food, shelter, clothing, connection, love? Luckily, no. No, no. And so in that, like, that's sort of a a, a perpetual trust fall, right? You're always just trusting that those connections are going to be there when they need Mm -hmm. to be there. The money will come magically somehow when it needs to, right? Mm-hmm. So that's also trusting, right? Um, so th- those are just different ways. I mean, it's not to say that, you know, I'm going to sit back and be passive and do nothing and just eat bonbons and watch Netflix. No, you know, that, that's not, you, you, need to, you need to put input in, into the system as mm-hmm. well, right? So it's a both and, it's, it's not either or, right? Well, and I, I think that uh, I think when you were, were talking about it's not the things that make sense often, <laughs> you, you, you get this like message and you go, what's that about? Why? Right. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> and then you do it and you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. So 
So all these things that we think that we're in control of, <laughs> uh, because I, I, I feel like it's, it's like this magical journey and that, you know, this is, this is where I have to learn to trust more because I, I think of it's, it's either love and trust or fear and distrust in, in all places, like trusting in myself too, like trusting in my own resilience and my own capability of taking inspired action or aligned action with the messages I receive. And so how do I, how do I learn to honor that every day? Right. Well, and even taking that and applying it to the lens of relationships, romantic connections, right? To so sort of be on par with this conversation with what you're offering. Um, and with the conversation that we had before we started. Right. Is I'm not even going to go into that story, but <clears throat> my sort of observation that I, that I wish everyone would see is that every relationship, be it friend, romantic, professional, or elsewise, has a timeline. And it's only our ego that gets attached to that timeline. And when that timeline ends, either prematurely or longer than we want is our own suffering, right? Mm -hmm. So romantic connections, oh, it failed because it only lasted X amount of time. Like, well, no, it ran the course it needed to run. It's our ego's attachment to create suffering that it didn't last as long as we projected it to, or it lasted longer than we wanted, whatever, on, on either end, right? Mm -hmm. And and so, um, yeah, we were talking offline about this. We're, you know. The, the, the highlight is basically a number of months ago, I had met a woman. She transformed my life. We started off being professional uh, business colleagues, et cetera. And then it turned romantic and the romantic connection lasted for about two months. And then in that a month and a half, two month window, I was, I was personally starting to get challenges saying like, this isn't it, you know, you know, but it was weird spirit. I thought spirit, we're going to be together forever. And spirit told me, and we're just going to travel the world and it's great and fantastic. And oh my God. And, and then, so that, which we all get. And then also, as we talk about the fantasy land where we have a tendency of projecting our fantasy human onto the person in front of us. Um, but in short, I was starting to feel doubt. I was starting to feel a, a need to exit. And I was coming confused and I was scared by it. I was afraid to say it to her. Well, you know, she started on her own path of having some issues. And regardless, she finally, and this is a very intuitive, psychic, tuned in woman, like extremely. And she called me one day after we had already sort of like, she's like, I just need to be friends and need space, which is the two things people never want to hear in a relationship. Right. Let's be friends. You're like, what? And so... And so basically she called me and she's like, look, in a matter of five minutes, she's like, I don't know if you're aware of it, but here's all your shadows. Here's all your projections. And this is where you're living. And she goes, I think you, and this is the nugget, everyone, listen, I think you are in love with the idea of me, not the actual who I am. And I immediately started crying in that moment because that was, the crying was good. It was a release. It was good because I was feeling that, but I didn't have the words to articulate. And I was actually scared to say that to her. How do you tell that to someone? I'm in love with the idea of you, but not actually you. I mean, without sounding like a jerk. Right, <laughs> right. Like, I don't, <clears throat> I don't want to hurt you. So, but in but that, and it was so beautiful that she said that because it helped discharge the fact that that was actually what I was feeling. She was feeling it too. Awesome. 
And by the way, that's like, you know, level 401 relationship here. Like, like that's yeah. not one-on-one at all. Right. And so, um, and there were some other fears that I had. I was afraid to speak that she just cleared for me. And I'm like, thank God. And so as a result, you know, uh, after a few days, because we only dated, I said, not even two months. And she's like, look, sweetheart. She goes, this isn't going to take long for us to get back to being friends, but we need to go through this just pause period, right? Because I still want, we're still going to work together professionally and whatnot. Right. And so in that, it's like, okay, and we're finally getting there now. Like we actually had a professional conversation yesterday, right? About what's going on and so on and so forth. And so it's not really going to take that long for us to get back there. But where I'm going with this is, is the attachment is I've lost track of how many relationships I've been in well, in general, but that I have felt an infatuation attraction to or whatever to a woman and it only lasted a few months. And then we can also say, well, you failed and you're not good enough. You're not worthy, whatever. But here's something I want people to think about is what is the potential or plausible karmic component of it, past life component of it, spiritual component of it, or even in, in sort of a new wave idea is they're part of my quote soul family. Mm-hmm. And, or we had a past life together and we just needed to, to finish some sort of thing from the past life that we didn't finish here, right? Even funny, uh, I'll share this story. I don't share this one very often. There was a woman that I dated, totally rebound. And we had our little thing only for a few months, but dig this. <laughs> she would turn to me as I'm turning to you, Dawn, right now and just start speaking in fluent German, which she knew fluent German. And she would look at me waiting for me to respond. <laughs> And I'm like, damn it, cat! I don't speak German in this lifetime. That was our last. And she's like, rah, you know, and she like <laughs> would playfully get it upset with me and, and walk away because she knew what was happening in that moment, right? It was a total, like, that's not this lifetime that we were German. That was some other life. And we were clearly playing something out, right? You know, it was just like, it was really <laughs> weird, but that's the most hilarious and like what the heck sort of moment, right? You know, um, in that. And so, but fortunately we were able to like, again, you know, work it out and and learn to laugh at that in time, right? Um, So it's, it's stuff like that, right? And then also too, have you heard of the book, um, Wild Attraction? No, I haven't actually. So Wild Attraction talks about the, spiritual energetic and more esoteric components of attraction mm-hmm. and why people get there mm-hmm. and so it's co-written by a couple but what's great about it is they talk about nothing in reality they talk more about the energetic emotional so example the first chapter starts with you know this, this these two individuals don't know each other show up <clears throat> to a party and this one woman they like the these two individuals pass by each other or whatever and all of a sudden they said now imagine from energetic standpoint you see like a a, a tail growing out of this woman out of her you know from the energetic realm tail growing out of this woman all of a sudden this tail is sort of like snaking through the whole party looking for its counterpart it's the shadow looking for the key to its lock right Mm -hmm. and when people connect on that root chakra on that foundational sort of um yeah foundational root sexual connection right let me find the person that's going to help me validate the limiting belief that I have, right? And this is all happening subconsciously, energetically, whatever. But right. then when we meet, we're madly in love. And we want to go make out and get our stuff on right now. But basically, in short, it's I am being attracted to this person on an unintentional psychic subconscious level that is 
fitting the lock to my key. If I'm not good enough, they're going to let me know that by, by abandoning me, by proving my limiting belief story, right? If I'm too much, they're going to tell me that. If I need love, they're going to abandon me. Whatever, if, I, if I'm not good enough, they're going to abuse me. Whatever that is, right? You know where I'm going with this. And so I thought yeah. that was really fascinating that if you are starting to feel like this, oh my God, I'm madly in love with this person, but I just met them 30 seconds ago. <laughs> it's something to look at. <laughs> That's not my loins talking. <laughs> So, you know, just bringing all that in, and I know we're jumping all over the map here, but that, no, you know, we're talking about trusting, that's not trust. That That's purely animalistic mm -hmm. energy coming in there, right? That's not anything. I mean, sure, acknowledge it, whatever, you know, there may be something there, but. Well, and I, I feel like every person that comes into your life, they're there to teach you something, you know, yep. and it's and it's usually usually a reflection of where you're not loving and accepting yourself or where you're not being loving and accepting of another. Yeah. You may have heard this. Uh, people come into your life for a reason, a season, a year, or a lifetime. Yeah. Right. So let that be, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and again, kind of going back to an earlier conversation is acknowledging and celebrating whatever that is. If that person came into my life to destroy me so that I could rediscover myself, cool. Right. If they came to help me level up to the next level of what I'm going into, fantastic. Right. Yeah. But you say cool in, in the midst of this right. craziness, you know, heartache, which is hard to understand. It, it you know, is. That's, that's where the surrender and trust, like, what the hell? You know? yeah. and, and, and I tell this to people oftentimes, especially when they're in process of either wanting to break up or in that breakup sort of stage or in the what's next is. And I'm curious for your thought on this because everyone that I've asked this to has not said no. Is has every relationship, subsequent relationship you've been in built on the, the previous one? Meaning they get better in some component. I think they get better in some component. Right. So with that sort of metric going forward, let's say you just had an amazing relationship and it ended for whatever way it did holding that intention that well this was how amazing this relationship was wow <laughs> i can't wait for the next one right mm -hmm. yeah, and so for me <clears throat> what i do when i'm in this place i i flip backwards when i'm in this place of man i'm really bummed this relationship is ending this out of the other i i just do a quick glance over my shoulder i used to have to look back longer than that but it's going okay i remember let's take any random relationship in the past Okay, where was I then? Okay, mm -hmm. that's where I was then. Where am I at now? Wow, okay, I've come a long way. Mm -hmm. So what if I would have stayed in that relationship? Now I would have by and large maybe stagnated, not grown anymore and just been there. Holy wow, look at that. I've actually come quite a bit away here mm -hmm. since that relationship. Now, if I take that same metric and apply it to present day moment, wow, there's an idea. Like. What's, what's possible in my future that I'm not willing to look at or what's possible that I could step into and be starting to be excited about that. Mm -hmm. So that, that's once you crawl it out of the hole. Yeah. Believe me, like, like, I, like we just mentioned, I just, I just got out of a relationship and it was two, a very intense and amazing magical two months. Um, I allowed myself to be in that grief. 
right? To surrender to the grief. There's an idea that's scary as heck, right? Yeah. But if we can surrender to grief and let it wash over us, it'll, we'll come out faster. And I know mo most people probably wouldn't agree with me, but it's true. I've had many examples where I've just surrendered to the grief and let the grief overcome me and just be in that. And yeah, if that means taking a few days and just sleeping the day away or journaling or whatever you need for support, being with friends, family, loved ones, therapists, counselors, coaches, whatever to help you process out that experience and find the gold. Well, I, I get in that, right? I feel like a lot of people are afraid to feel because they feel like it would it's going to be so overwhelming and consuming that they will never be able to get back up. Yeah. And, and I'm going to debunk this. And I'm just going to go straight to the answer. Men, for those who are listening or the women who know the men, is I've done a number of years of men's work um, with Mankind Project. And one of the biggest fears men have, and I'm, I don't know about women, but men are afraid to get angry and they're afraid to get sad. They're afraid right. to get angry, really? They're afraid to get angry and they're afraid to be sad. Just just follow me here, Don. Okay. They're afraid to get angry and they're afraid to get sad because both of them, the men are afraid they'll get lost in those emotions and be mm -hmm. overcome and not be able to get out. Mm -hmm. Because anger turns into rage and rage turns into we already know where that goes. Yeah. Destruction. <clears throat> same, same thing on the other side with sadness, right? If I go, if I allow myself to feel sad then I'll be a weeping, horrible, sobbing mess for the rest of my life. And, and then whatever drama story comes out of that. Weak. All of the above. Uh -huh. And so men definitely have that. But what's been fascinating is, is the years I spent with the, with the Mankind Project, I witnessed hundreds of men have that story. But after they were allowed in a safe and healthy container to express those emotions, mm -hmm. what they came out on the other end was with freedom. Mm. of conquering those emotions and going, oh, I actually control it. It doesn't control me. It's like, yeah, right? So it is beautiful in that sense. Um, and I'm in it. I, I'm in it. I've been in on both of those, afraid to express anger and afraid to express sadness. But having expressed both of them in, in not only expressing them, but being received in healthy ways, um, has taught me, no, it's very healthy to express these things. It's the body needing to express whatever it is and get it out. Because if we lock it in our body, that's a whole other conversation of creating stress, disorder, disease, dysfunction in the body yeah. for not exhausting our emotions. Yep. And there are proven physiological ailments that are linked back to stress and to trauma. Well, isn't, isn't heart, aren't heart attacks one of the biggest? Yeah, for, yeah. for me, the, so yeah, heart attacks is a broken heart. Lung cancer, lungs are grief, right? So people who have lung cancer have undealt with grief. Yeah. Wrote TMJ stuff, not speaking our truth, not, not communicating what we need to, um, ears not listening, you know, low back pain is our, um, our not feeling supported, not feeling supported. Our foundation has been destroyed, you know, knees and hips or knees are about, you know, changing direction and uncertainty about changing direction. So, I mean, it just goes on and on. Right. And so they're, they're all, and there's more than that. Kidneys are, um, Kidneys fear, right? Liver's anger, right? So in that, it's it's needing, if you don't process out these emotions and experience them, then it, they're going to turn into something greater. Um, and as a body worker, I've definitely worked with that a lot. And I also integrate that into my coaching practice too, that I help people look at those things with. So um, 
these are actual things. <laughs> these are actual things. I mean, I was, I'm a, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Louise Hay yeah. was the first person that I was introduced to that concept that, you know, the body holds the dis-ease and whatever aspect of your life. And so, <clears throat> but I think, I think, I, I don't know about um, the anger and sadness. I, I feel like that's pretty similar for, for women as well. When, like I, I've always thought that men have more permission to be angry as opposed to, as opposed to women who are angry are just bitches. Right. Well, men right? who anger are assholes. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> both have their titles, but you're right. Men definitely have more of a societal permission to be angry than women. Where, whereas women have more of a societal permission to cry. Right. right? And, and, but I, but I think, I mean, I've been talking to a lot of women lately and this is, this is our default where we're really pissed off, but we cry mm -hmm. because that's more acceptable. But it's a release. It's a release of some sort. Yeah. And so how, how do you surrender <laughs> to feel all of the emotions that we are built to feel? Right. Well, let me just say this before we go to that is on the spectrum of things, sadness is always under anger. Mm -hmm. In my experience, always. So mm -hmm. if you're feeling anger about something, nine times or 10 times out of 10 is actually something you're really sad about and you didn't deal with the sadness and now it's turned into anger or rage. Mm -hmm. But I have witnessed personally myself and with countless men and women that once they get through the anger, tears come. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately there, there's a wounded child somewhere in there that's not being seen. Well, and I, well, I feel like that I feel like the anger um, under underneath the anger is fear, right? And then and then, but sadness is often right. the, the 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 base of the that. base. Yeah, feeling like sense of disconnection and loneliness, or not being seen, not, not being, being seen. met, not being heard, needs validated, not being uh -huh. fear. Yeah, you said fear or whatever, but yeah, those are definitely under there. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So how how. Uh, when you were when you were talking about um, you know having a safe container to be able to express those emotions, you know this is challenging for a lot of people because a lot of people don't even feel safe within themselves. Yep. So how do you create that for yourself? How do you find um, people that you can express with? <laughs> I, I would say on a on a personal level it's whoever you feel safe with right best friend family whoever you legitimately partner with, if you're with a partner right whoever you legitimately feel safe with let that be a starting point um or you know if you're really out of place is you know go to a someone in the healing arts realm you know as a body worker Dawn, I have lost track of how many people have cried on my table or cried in front of me, right? Because I just sort of hold that non-judgmental space and I don't have to say, I am going to hold a non-judgmental space for you. Feel free to express whatever emotion you want and I will not judge you for that. You know, I'm sitting there like, I, have, I don't know. I mean, they're often first time clients who are complete strangers to me will literally like come into the treatment room and as they're sitting there taking off their shoes, they're, I can already hear their voice quivering and they're holding it back. And I haven't done anything other than, hello, here's your intake form. Right. <laughs> right. right. And so, and, but what I do from that point is give them permission. Like, yeah, feel that. 
just be here. You're it's coming up. Don't fight it. Let it, let it roll. Right. So and, many, so many people say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm crying. It's like, you should never apologize for crying. Right. right. It's like people apologizing to me on a bodywork table for falling asleep. It's like <laughs> you came here. <laughs> Literally that is an actual thing. It sounds funny, but I've had people apologize for falling asleep on my massage table. Oh. Um, so, but right. They, that, I was going to say that a lot of times it's women. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I'm crying. It's like, no, please let it go. Like yeah. I'm honored the fact that you feel that safe around me to express this. So like, I'm just going to sit here and just witness and hold space for that. And some people just need that. Right. Um, a lot of people just need that. Yeah. Do you know what I heard something the other day, Don was, this is brilliant is what if here's a radical idea. What if we just focused on listening? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What if she, what if we just focus on listening? And, and I'm just going to say this to the men and women too. I definitely know there are women out there who want to fix and save, right? Got it, right? I'm an empath. I'm an intuitive. Want to fix and save everyone. But sometimes just sitting in silence and letting someone be there and listening that that's all that's necessary. And I don't have to say a word, right? And not even putting a hand on, because sometimes even putting a hand on them pulls them out of that emotion. Right. And most people don't know that either. Um, so just sitting there, right? And letting that person emote in whatever way that is, right? Um, <clears throat> so if you're in that place, it's hard to say, well, I'm going to call a therapist so I can cry today. It's like, we don't do that either, right? You know, it just comes when it's going to come. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to answer your question around how do we do that? But I'd say just, you know, again, trust that whatever is happening is needing to happen. If you had that appointment with that practitioner and it just so happens to line up with this, don't cancel that appointment, right? Be it acupuncture, Reiki, chiropractic, whatever. I've cried on all those tables, mm-hmm. right? And even though that's not what I was going there for, they help provide that release for me, mm-hmm. right? So trust that things are unfolding the way they are unfolding and we're having conversations and having meetings or coffees with whoever it is. There's no, there is no um, coincidence. Things are happening the way they are. So I think that's the easiest way I can tell people to just trust is trust that however your schedule has been lined up, that that person's showing up for whatever reason, or you're ending up at that appointment for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and and don't try to figure it out. Even if things get canceled and moved around and oh yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. absolutely. Like why, why? Da, da, da. Right. Yeah, instead of especially asking. the canceling part, right? I mean, I've had a number of examples where someone keeps canceling, 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 and then finally they show up, and so it's like, oh, that's why, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't ready. I wasn't ready. You know, who, who knows? There's so many factors involved in that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how do you trust your entire life process? So you know, I'll all say of this: the things you you've gone through. Um, another, you know, quote that sort of came channeled through me when I was working with a client a few years ago is who are we as mere mortals to try to direct the play that we are in? That sounds like Shakespeare. Yeah. I don't know where it came from, but it came through for me and for my client at the time to hear. And I'm like, I got to write that down. (laughs) So, um, 
but it's true, right? It's like stuff happens and it's only our egoic mind or our attachment to how things are supposed to go is where the suffering happens, right? It's, I mean, Buddhism, one of one suffer attachment to anything creates suffering, blah, 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 blah. We know this, but applying it in everyday situations, you know, to emotions, to outcomes, to relationships, to whatever. And yeah, I mean, we are going to form attachments. We're human, we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. It's sort of one of those like, you know, catch 22 is we can't not get attached. We can't not get whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're born, we're created. Right. So we are an umbilical cord attached to us. Right. And so we are going to get attached. We're going to have things. And again, like just trust and surrender. Right. I mean, I I mean, there's so many examples I have of, you mentioned in in one of the questions, how does it like a failure turn into a success? And that's something that I actually talk about. And I'm in a class that I teach around abundance and that same thing like how can you take a perceived failure perceived failure mm-hmm. and flip it right so i mean there's there's so how, many how that, do you how do you flip it just uh, for me it's just witnessing it and just trusting that i don't understand really why this thing is happening but it's happening you know um again career romantic friends I, i've had so many things that end and it's kind of like you know the buddhist teaching of we'll see right it's like this thing is happening okay what does that mean i don't know but we'll see Mm -hmm. right as opposed to oh this is good or oh this is bad and then qualifying and then the flip and then the flip yeah qualifying things you know it's funny like landmark you know we are meaning making machines things happen it means nothing we create a story out of it then we live behind that right Mm. you know i don't know if you've heard that before but that's Kind of the I'm, basis. I'm familiar with Landmark, but I've never been. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's sort of a basic thing they teach in one of their intro programs is something happens. It means nothing. Well, we create a story around it based on our own history. And at that point, then we live to that agenda, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we're creating a story and narrative, whether or not it's supportive or not. Right. Uh, and, and I have witnessed, you know, everything from abuse on up be addressed in that sort of situation, right? It's just like, well, if someone's abusing you, one, that's their stuff, two, how are you gonna take it? And to quote Will Smith, it's not your fault that something bad happened to you, but it's your responsibility to do something about that, mm-hmm. right? Okay, you were abused, okay, yeah, that's very unfortunate. So what are you gonna do about that? Are you gonna allow that person to control you or are you gonna, yeah, I mean, there are situations that we can't get out of, but by and large, you know, like I said, I had witnessed a number of people in my training with Landmark and with Mankind Project um, that managed to take trauma and flip it, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're the superhero. Now they're helping support people that have been traumatized, have been neglected, right. have been abused, right? Now they're the superhero for the other people, right? Because so it, it, again, I mean, I know I just made it all pretty and shiny and it's not, it's not always it's, that. Right. It's not necessarily that easy it's like you have to face all of the all of the traumatic emotions that you experience as a result of the experience so not to minimize any of that right but just to say that that through that pain somehow you can find meaning yeah and purpose like a greater purpose something out of that right Uh yeah i mean and so again it's who, who are we, right? So for me, uh, I, I got kind of a, an idea of where my life's heading, but 
you know, surrendering to those speed bumps, surrendering to that wasn't what I had planned mm. and going, okay, well, that is what happened. So how am I going to navigate this now? Right. So it, it's, it, it, this is all sort of academic and philosophical, but practically, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like swimming. It's kind of like walking. It's kind of like anything in life. You kind of have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. To figure, I mean, I can give you anecdotal things all day long, but until you actually do it in your own accord, you have to figure it out for yourself, right? What do you What do you think is the purpose of life? <laughs> oh wow, we went there. All right, I think I think people assign so much more meaning to it than it actually is. You I mean depending on what lens we're looking at, spiritual or personal or whatever, but you know. On some sense, I would say to play out karma and to have experiences to grow. You know, I personally, uh, my personal beliefs is that we are souls and we have bodies and we reincarnate and we have many different life experiences. Sometimes, you know, in one life experience, we experience an abundance of things and in the next life we experience the scarcity of things. And I think ultimately it's about trying to find balance and have experiences. Um, I think anything more than that then I think it's creating narrative around what we want it to be. Um, you know, maybe in a past life I was a king, cool. But now in this life, mm, I'm a peasant. Okay, right? Getting to experience the balance of that. Maybe in this life I killed someone, maybe in the next life I'm killed, right? Getting to experience those sort of polarities and things. I don't know. All I, all I can do is sort of philosophize on this idea because, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, but for me, it's <sighs> the closer I come to living in love in every moment, and seeing the abundance of everything in every moment. Um, the more, as we sort of said earlier, I, I can step into that place of observer and witness what's happening before me and witness the story and narrative, both in my person and, and at large, um, the easier my life becomes. The more inner work that I do, the more I help dismantle the inner shadows, the easier the outside world becomes. So for me, I think we all have our own mission. I mean, some people are the... Hmm, some people are the Hitlers and some people are the Gandhis, right? So I think everyone's got their own personal mission and what that is. But isn't, isn't that everybody plays their part? Like you were right. talking about, you know, who are we mere mortals to think right. that we're directing this thing. Right. It's like, we're just players, you know, we're just characters in this narrative. And so how do we take responsibility for our own story? Right. I, I think it's doing the inner work and really discovering who we are, what's our essence, because I, I believe and I know it's beyond believing. It's a knowing that each of us have a purpose in each of these lives to fulfill. And the closer we come to or actually realizing what that is, that's when life gets easier, for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of our purpose in life is to identify whatever our personal mission is and execute that. I, I feel like a lot of people um, go through their entire lives not knowing that. Right. So, so I'll, I'll say this, and, and this is, uh, I don't know if you can patent quotes, but <laughs> I'm, sharing <it> with, <laughs> I'm sharing it with everyone because it's just so potent. And please share this. If you hear it, share it, live it, love it. Is the, the old story is the hardest journey is the 18 inches from the head to the heart, right? Getting from the mind to the heart and feeling your emotions. A lot of times that's the end of the journey for some people. But for me, the addendum, this is the quote, the addendum to that quote is that even harder journey is eight inches from the heart to the mouth, 
and you may have heard me say this before, why that is, is because we can feel something, we can know something, we can feel it, but until we actually articulate it and express it, they're, they're still sort of in action. And yes, I was challenged the other day, thoughts are things, thoughts bring in actions. Yes, absolutely. Um, not saying that they don't, even emotional things bring in things. And with that, once I express my desires, positive, negative, whatever it may be, once I mm -hmm. express my desires, now I have to be responsible to it, accountable to it, and actually do something about it, right? And I think that- You don't is, have to. You don't have to, but it's scary because for me, I feel like a, a lot of the people who I work with coach-wise, as a coach, know what they want, but they're afraid to speak it because they have been told by society, by family, by someone that you can't do that. That's too big. You're too big for your britches. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. That's all the above. Mm -hmm. Right. And so with that, um, people done play small where they wish they dream, they wish they had, they whatever. Uh, and sometimes they're walking parallel to it. It's kind of like, you can't touch me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. You're sort of thing like it, they're close to it, uh -huh. but they're like a half step off. Uh, and once they take that half step onto the path, oh, there it is, right? You know, it, it's reminding people, as I sort of said in my bio, it's like reminding people of their greatness and, and the power that they have, because I feel like we all have these great powers that we acquiesce and give to others because we're living someone else's narrative or story we had our families or societies or whatever, being a good little boy and girl and doing what we're told to, right? So what if we step into the fear of doing what we actually want and speaking our truth, what's true for us, mm -hmm. right? That's sort of what I help people out with in relationship, career, in life, right? Is helping people speak that truth that they've always wanted to say, but they're afraid to say it because it brings them one step closer to alignment, right? With, wow. with that. And it's, it's when we don't speak that and we hold it is when, oh, I don't really know what it, I, I tell you what, Don, there's a lot of people like, oh, I didn't really know. Here's a trick. You can try this on, you can try this on with a client. If they go, I don't really know what I want. Great. Well, if you did know, if what, you would did know. Be, what would it be? Oh, well, if I did know then, you know, and so <laughs> it's so funny how quickly they can make that connection. <laughs> well, when people say, I don't know, it's because I'm really afraid to tell you. <laughs> right. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's this yeah. journey from the heart to the mouth. They know yeah. what they want, but they're afraid to speak it because of judgment, ridicule. They've been told whatever. Disconnection, rejection. Right. Yeah. So it's the fear of whatever. Right? Mm -hmm. So I really support and encourage my clients on their journey to, to own that. And step into that. And then with that, I, I support, I encourage, I foster connection and I help them realize that they know more than they think they do. And it's amazing to see how quickly they get it a lot of times once they actually make that connection. Oh, it's safe to say this. Mm -hmm. I can actually do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. but maybe but maybe I can't tell my partner or maybe I can't tell my best friend or maybe <laughs> I can't tell my boss at work. Right. And, and that's the thing is, and that's the fear of the disconnection. That's the fear of things need to go look a certain way. Uh -huh. right? And so when I work with them, we work in confidentiality, right? So I'm helping them on that level, work it until the point where they can't ignore it anymore. I need to leave. Mm -hmm. I need to ask for a raise. I need to step into my power. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't working for me anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's the fear again of saying that to people, right? Cause I mean, I will own, you know, just to, without going into the full story of it, I was living in that place to quote Jim Carrey, depression is our avatar telling us it's tired of playing the game we're trying to play. Mm -hmm. 
right? And so for me, there was a period of my time in my mid, mid to late 20s where I was depressed, probably clinically depressed. But on paper, I had the perfect life. Hmm. And so I was telling people I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And after a few years, that got thin with people. And eventually I needed to do something about that, which meant leave these quote unquote perfect life that I had created for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. According um, to everybody else. According to society, right? Midwest right. boy moves to San Francisco, meets a woman, gets engaged and lives in San Francisco and has a perfect job. What's wrong with you, boy? Why can't you be happy with that? Right. Right. So, yep. Because it's not <laughs> fulfilling. Right. It's not fulfilling. Right. I'm exactly. still feeling empty. And as coaching is my fourth career and body works my third career, believe me, I have done the transitions in career. I've lived in six states. I've held over 20 addresses in 20 years. I think I understand moving on. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been in a more relationship, romantic relationships than I can remember right now. And I don't take that as shame. I take it as, wow, I've had a lot of life experience and I have a lot to offer people to help them support themselves in those sort of like, I don't know what to do next phases. That I really feel like is my mission in this world is to help foster and support people in those transitions of going, what's next? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I have an idea, but it sounds crazy. Whatever it may be, right? Um, by and large, I feel like I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot and I've experienced a lot, uh, both through my own eyes and through the mouths of so many people who I've come across in my mm-hmm. journey. So, um, Well, and people are afraid of change because it's unknown. I've been afraid of changing because I <laughs> built my life around you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we, we get attached to things, right? And, you know, it's, and I'm not saying attachment's bad, but it's. If it's holding you back, if you feel like you're tired <laughs> and stuck. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I actually had a client the other day who, she came in with tears and it was supposed to be a bodywork session and it being a, um, an amalgamation of coaching, co- relationship coaching, mm-hmm. um, which I don't really advertise, but, um, and bodywork, right? And through the process of the session, I gave her some chance to speak. I let her know she wasn't crazy. And after the session, she actually took action on mm-hmm. something that she wasn't wanting to. That was creating a lot of sadness for her, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. not easy. <laughs> I will no. say the, the path of inner work in knowing is not easy. In fact, it's probably one of the most challenging things there is to do out there. But why? Why? Right? So for me, like to quote the Buddha, like, well, what'd you get out of meditation? Well, I didn't get much, but I lost a lot. Lost anxiety, lost depression, mm-hmm. lost fear, lost anger. You know, I can navigate my life with ease now. Uh, I don't get angry. I don't get upset as much as I used to. I understand the role. In fact, I laugh a lot more now, mm-hmm. but the journey through that is probably one of the most challenging journeys because you act, I actually have to look at myself, look at my shadows, look at the things that have not served me and have actually hurt me <clears throat> ancestrally, family wise, society wise, myself, mm-hmm. all the above. Yeah. And what you get on the other side is a sense of freedom, a sense of peace, a sense of love and acceptance for yourself. Yep. Yeah, I can actually sit in silence in an empty room and, and not freak out and actually enjoy it, right? Um, yeah. Just to be with yourself because you're enough yep. as you are. 
you know, without all the stories driving and creating madness, right? Right, right. So how do you, how do you, this is my, this is my question that I ask all my guests. How do you define real love? Well, I think the I think it's out of the Bible, but I've heard it said many ways. In true love, there is no fear. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I also heard this quote. I forget what book it was. In the game of tennis, love is a score of zero. Right. So with that, true love can be familial. It can be friends. It can be partners. It can be, you know, I will say, I was walking through the woods one day, and by myself no music, no nothing. And all of a sudden, I just closed my eyes and I was in love with what myself, with the nature, with the universe, with the all, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't go into the quarry to find out what, but I felt like I was madly in love and I was standing by myself in the woods. I had no romantic connection at that point in my life. Um, Where did you feel it in your body? The whole body, your whole, my whole body. I was just over overtaken by that. So for me, you know, true love, you know, romantic connections come and go. Sure, love comes and goes, but true love, there's no fear. Like the the, the love we may have for a parent or for an animal, it's unconditional, right? Uh, a lot of love we operate in, especially in romantic connections, is conditional. Even though we say it's not, it, more right. time it not is. So for me, true love is unconditional. True love will always be there. I know like with my brothers and my parents, we may have disagreements, but at the end of the day, I mean, that love is there. You know, for example, I have an uncle who's in the process of, of leaving his body. And I haven't really talked with him in years, but he was a major influence in my childhood. And when I first heard, I'm like, okay, you know, but then when I actually sat with it, the tears came. I'm like, wow, that, cause it's, there's love. Love has no time. Love is timeless, right? The this man supported, influenced me and supported me. Um, will never go away. Right. That's love. That's love. Love is not, Hey, I want to go bang that person over there or I want to make out with them or I want to live with whatever. Yeah. I mean, that is a facet of it. Sure. Right. But I think that's a conditional love, right? Right. Love, pure love, true love is the number of women who I have been in romantic connections with, the romantic connection severed, and we remained friends for the long haul afterwards. That's true love, right? Love is not conditional by you need to be my romantic partner, my lover, my whatever, in order for me to love you. No expectations of the other. It's just a matter of giving and being open to receive. And in fact, a number of them have gone on. This is true love, Don. A number of them have gone on to either marry <clears throat> or get involved elsewise. And then they invite me over to have dinner with their new spouse. Oh, wow. That's love. That's love. That's real love. That's love. I, I will say I have one example of a dear friend that her and I dated for a number of years. And she had since not only moved on, but been in a relationship and now cohabitating with this new man. And a cat, one of my for child's was dying. She dropped everything. She came to me, held me physically and emotionally while my cat passed. She knew the cat. She knew the cat. And her and this cat, Athena, had a wonderful relationship because we lived, all lived together at one point. Then she offered, she called her then current, her partner. He 
without asking me, Dago, she said, I want to, she, if you want, Athena can be you know, buried in my backyard. She owns her house. She drove me to my current house to gather things for a ceremony. He dug the hole and they both sat and held space while I ceremoniously buried my fur child in the ground wow. in her backyard Wow! and said nothing the entire time. But I felt completely loved and held. That is love. That's real love. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's love. Wow. You know, her and I may not talk for a year or two, but that woman in the same thing, if she came to my door, I'm like, I would not turn her down, right? That's love. Wow. Doesn't matter how much twists and turns happen in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's profound and it never ends. It's beautiful. Yeah. And for what it's worth, our relationship ended really messy, really, really messy, where we couldn't talk for almost a year afterwards. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but we came back to it. Wow. So that's love. <laughs> and, and to be able to know that and experience that with many different individuals, I'm blessed. So, yeah. You're an amazing man, Brian. Mm, thank you, Don. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Yeah. So, how can people um, follow you, find you, work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, the easiest is um, so. Uh, the videos that Don mentioned are both on my personal Facebook page, Brian uh, M. Truskowski, I think, on Facebook. Uh, my business page on Facebook is Illuminate, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-T-E-333 on Facebook. On Instagram, it's Illuminate.ing, I believe. But we'll have links to all this. And I have a website uh, and a YouTube channel that will be linked also um, in this and email as well. So, yeah, as far as working with me, um, if you're feeling called, have questions, please connect with me, email me, connect with me somehow. Um, I do work from wherever, you know, I have a Zoom account and I work with people all over the country. So I'm not limited to any geographic or all of the world, really. I'm not really limited yeah. to any geographic location. So if you're feeling a call, I would love to hear from you and I'd love to support you on your journey. That would be great. And I'll just say to close this, thank you so much, Don, for this wonderful conversation for having me on um, your show. This has been tons of fun and thank you for giving me a platform to speak. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I knew we'd have an awesome conversation. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I'm, you know, for, for everybody who um, enjoyed this, please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and share with anybody that you would feel would benefit from this conversation. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to share the love uh, you know, so that everybody feels supported and seen and heard and understood, you know, all of the things that Brian, you were talking about, you know, this is my mantra at the end of every podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one that you have with yourself. So you have to do all of this work, Absolutely. you know, to face yourself so that you can enter into relationships and have these beautiful connections where you can truly be yourself and you allow the other person to truly be themselves as well so that you both experience real love. Yep. So. And, and I'll say just on that is like the only way to find true love is to truly love yourself. First. Yeah. I know that's so flippin' cliche, but it's true. But it's true. It's very, very true. Yeah. So if anybody, um, you know, wants more support from me and finding and creating more real love in your in your life, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. Uh, the website's under construction. So hopefully that's going to be fixed soon. Um, and 
please subscribe and share with your friends and every day wake up to more and more real love. So mm. thank you so much, Brian, for being here. It's been an honor and a privilege. I appreciate Yay. it. Thank you so much, John. It's like I said, again, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank All you so right. much. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. Uh, wake up to more real love. Take care. Bye. Bye. Subscribe to the Wake Up To Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews. And of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.